Welcome to another episode of Addicted to MRR. We got another Australian today. Walt, how's it going? Hey man, I'm great. How you doing? Pretty good. We got Walt Bayless of Agency Bud. That's he, uh, it. It's amazing to get two Australians in a row. My my last guest was also from Australia and first two and there's, back to back. There's some there's something in the water down here, man. I think everybody's like really chasing that MRR pretty hard. Yeah, it, it would it would seem that that's the case. You know, here in America, we're too busy spreading coronavirus, but uh... <laughs> that's it. Down here, we're like you know, we create the MRR to fight that thing. You know. Yeah, it's, it, that is the vaccine right now. <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. I, I'm not trying to get down that slope, but yeah, no, good stuff. So I really appreciate you coming on today uh, to talk about your business and and how it's going, what's worked, what hasn't. And, uh, you know, at the end, we'll get to some of the, the mental health struggles as well. But why don't yeah. you let us know a little bit about what Agency Bud is and sort of what it does for people? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Um, to, to explain Agency Bud and how it fits into a recurring revenue model, um, I rewind just a few years. And so when I started as an online entrepreneur, it was about 12 years ago. And we had some great success in creating little small uh, one-time sale kind of uh, systems. So the first, the first sale or, or program that I built, Travis, was a little WordPress plugin. Um, I had bought a plugin that did 90% of the job for me, or let's say 80% of the job that I wanted to do. But I really needed that last 20% to kind of kick me over the line. So I went to an outsourcing site. I've, I asked somebody to fill in the blanks of that 20%. It cost me about 800 bucks to get it built. And I thought, hey, this has turned into something pretty cool. I wonder if other people would want to buy it. And uh, so we launched that product on its own. We had a good had a good run. We made like $30,000 from that product. And um, that was fantastic. And that kind of launched me on four or five years worth of tiny little projects being created left and right. And uh, that, that was great. You know, it had a, um, a good lifestyle. You know, we, we had certainly created the opportunity to work full time from home and all that kind of stuff was great. But as you would know, and as your listeners would know, specifically with MRR, the problem is that if you're coming up with these ideas and it's all a one-time sale, eventually you're going to A, run out of ideas and B, run out of money to be able to support the ongoing development of those products. So the first uh, recurring income product that I created was about uh, six and a half, seven years ago, um, and it was a video syndication platform. And it completely changed the game for me. Um, we, we sold a front-end product, which was a one-time deal. And then we had a back-end product, which was a $19.95 a month recurring subscription. And um, we had somebody cancel um, just the other week, like uh, about 10 days ago from that original launch. Now, think about that. That person had been paying $19.95 for over six years. And... You know, as much as we, as much as uh, losing a, a single customer is painful, man, that person paid nineteen ninety five and has been using the product. But six years later, we are looking at you know over over fourteen hundred dollars worth of revenue from that one client, which is amazing. So, creating that first recurring revenue product and realizing that it was possible led me to look at bigger things, and and um, I created a few different programs that were targeted outside of the kind of normal niche that I'd been in, which is make money online, kind of the, the internet marketer entrepreneur space had always been the one that, that I'd created products in. But these first big programs that I created were targeted at small business outside. So we, we created a reputation management program. We created a uh, advertising data and analysis program. We created a few different things. And so we're targeting small business owners. 
And that's been a massive learning curve for me. Each one of those programs has had has got a monthly recurring revenue model attached to it. Um, but it, it has been a massive learning curve from a marketing point of view. So that brings me back to agency bud. In April of this year, being 2020, the year that we all want to forget, uh, in April of this year, we launched this program called Agency Bud. And my concept with it was simple. All of these business software programs that we've created, we put them under one umbrella called Agency Bud, and that offered a wholesale license to anybody that picked up the agency that they could then go and on-sell our business software to their own clients. So we went from being a retailer selling our own products to being a wholesaler. So somebody could buy an Agency Bud license and then they had their own products to resell. And for me, that's been a massive turning point because I've, I can now fine tune my marketing in terms of I'm looking for a specific kind of customer, which I relate to really well, the entrepreneur. And those entrepreneurs are then picking up a program that they can use to generate their own recurring revenue. And that's something that I'm 100% passionate about. And so Agency Bud as a, as a tool has given us the opportunity to target entrepreneurs, which is an audience that I love, and deliver to them a way that they can increase their own monthly recurring revenue by utilizing the products within the agency bud suite. So that's the short version, man. I know that that was probably a long answer to a short version, but there you go. No, it's all good, man. Uh, you know, the, the more people we can get creating recurring revenue, the better off everyone will be. Um, I agree. So, you know, just to just really distill and clarify, can you, can you give us some examples of like, all the different types of tools that are in agency budget, a real brief description yeah, so really people brief. get a better yeah, sure. idea of the types of tool. Yeah, definitely. So uh, there's four main products and we've got a, a bonus one, which we don't normally talk about, but there's four main products within agency, but uh, the first is called RepOne. It's a reputation management program. So it helps people uh, monitor their reviews and social mentions and that kind of thing. Hugely valuable for businesses to protect themselves online. The second is our highest seller. And that's a program called Cold Reach. And Cold Reach is a lead generation tool. Um, so it's, it's designed for businesses to do outreach, cold approaches. Um, and it is our highest seller because it's, a, it's such an easy thing for me to say to somebody, do you want more leads? Absolutely. Cool. Here's our program. Uh, the third program is um, a complex one. It's, it's called Data Geo, and it's designed to help people get better returns from their advertising. So rather than kind of guessing, oh, my target audience are 35 to 45-year-old males who live in this demographic – that particular program fine tunes the exact targets that people should be going after. So it provides a huge value um, because people don't have to spend a lot of money split testing their advertising. They can run everything through this data geo program and come out the other side with a targeted campaign ready to go. So that one's really cool. And the last one is a live web chat system. So it's it's designed to be a, a live interaction. Somebody comes onto a business website, wants to ask a question, and they can use our software to pop through into Messenger or Skype, and the business owner or whoever's assigned can actually answer that person live. So those are the four main programs. And that, that suite of tools gives an agency bud owner lots of different offerings that they can then go out and uh, explain to their business clients. With Agency Bud, what they get is the opportunity to sell each one of those and keep 100% of the recurring revenue that they generate. So that's an amazing opportunity. We've spent probably close to three or $4 million developing those programs over the last six years. And an Agency Bud owner gets to have all of them without that cost, um, but to keep the revenue for themselves. Yeah, I mean, there, there obviously is a cost to license the software, though. What is that pricing model? 
So at the moment, the, the agency bud license is $14.97 a year. So um, an, a business owner can pay $14.97 a year, and they can then on-sell our programs for 100% of the retail. So for example, just RepWarn sells for $9.97 a year. And if you uh, um, picking up a $14.97 agency bud license, you got two clients of RepWarn, you're, you're already in front 500 bucks a year. And you can sell up to 100 licenses of each program. So that offers a business owner a quarter of a million dollar revenue opportunity. And if they want to sell more than 100, they can pick up another agency bud license set, which again, gives them another quarter of a million dollar revenue opportunity. Sure. I mean, assuming that they can actually sell it for the thousand dollar price point, but yeah, but, sure. They they have the chance to not. They can give it away. They can bundle it. They can offer it special offers, and yeah. you know, we give them that flexibility. But you know, if they sell it at retail, that's a quarter of a million dollars annual revenue that they can add to their business. For sure, totally fair. Um, do you give them the mechanisms to collect that money? And whatnot? Do they like drop in their own Stripe account, or how does that work? Yeah, um, great question, man. So the uh, the business model that we have within the agency bud system is really flexible. So we give them two different vari variables with that income collection. They can either use our payment processor, and in which case the the money will flow th into into our system and then over to them after thirty days after that refund period is gone. So that way they don't have to set up a shopping cart. They can just send their client to a to a click. You know, the client fills in their their credit card details and the money just goes to them. Um, but if they want to, if they've already got systems in place where they're, you know, sending an invoice out to the client, they just want to add, you know, a hundred bucks a month onto the bottom of their invoice, they can use, they can do what we call direct billing. So we've got the facility within Agency Bud that they can bill direct to the client. It can run through their own Stripe systems or their own payment processing models, whatever they want to use. And then the license is automatically created for their customers. So both there and flexible options. That's great that you offer both, you know, uh, in the early days of campaign refinery, we let people bring their own SMTP accounts, um, yeah. which we actually don't do anymore, but, uh, people at first liked the ability for the, all the custom stuff, but we found that the overwhelming majority of people like just wanted us to do it for them. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's like, just make it easy. I don't want to have to think about it. And for a lot of people like... Um, the reason that we that we offer both is because that simplicity. If you're sitting in front of a client, you can just say, "Hey, let's get you started. Click here, and you know the payment processing takes care of, license takes care of." But for those people who've got a great relationship with their clients and they just want to include, let's say, the data and analysis module um, in their monthly Facebook advertising that they already do for that particular client, then they can just include it you know, in their normal invoice, and we create the license in the back end for them. So there's no kind of fiddling around. They can just keep that relationship they don't have to steer them somewhere else so we've got that both uh, variable opportunities for them yeah that's great and so i know you this has only been going for a few months and uh i'm assuming <laughs> from what i know about what i know about you your business and specifically my own experience uh, if you launch it in april uh, you probably were off to a little bit slower start than you wanted to but yeah. with that in mind where's your mrr currently so people have kind of context of where you're at yeah, cool. Um, so we've got 280 paying customers in Agency Bud at the moment, and we're at about nine and a half thousand MRR. Okay, so just shy of 10k, not bad. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, you're right. Like April 2020. Wow, what a time to launch a product, right? You know, the whole world's <laughs> going into lockdown. Um, thankfully, the marketplace that we play in is built for work from home entrepreneurs. Um, so that's kind of been a, a bit of a lucky break, but at the same time. Normally, when we do a launch, we expect, you know, this is based on 10 years worth of history. We expect at least $400,000 worth of revenue during a launch event. Um, and in April, when we launched, man, there was 43. So there was, 
it's a big hit, um, and we're certainly feeling that that it's um, uh, a, an air of caution out there in the marketplace. But at the same time, the more often that we present this in a personal way to people, they're seeing that that they can go on and make money from it, which of course in these days is something that everybody's looking for. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny how markets have gone through this process. You know, so, some people like Zoom were huge winners, right? They went from 10 yeah, million right. daily actives to like 400 million daily actives. And then you have stuff like, you know, airline industry got completely destroyed. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of us that play kind of in that middle ground somewhere, not necessarily the all of a sudden, oh my God, an essential service I need like yesterday, uh, but also not like a, I don't want to fly for two years kind of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for a lot of us, I think what we experienced was just sort of a temporary shock of uh, yeah. uncertainty and unease because there was a lot that was unknown and and that was directly reflected in the marketplace. But we've seen our our numbers come right back up. You know, offers that were really consistent before that dropped like a hot rock are, are equal to or better than they were previous to April now, but there was definitely this sort of like Bermuda triangle of coronavirus <laughs> uncertainty yeah. that, that sucked away a lot of sales, which is unfortunate. Um, but, but I'm, it's good to hear you bouncing back now. Yeah. Yeah. Even and you know, I do a lot of interviews with agency owners and, and we run our own podcast as well. And, um, they're, they're certainly saying that those industries that are able to pivot into, um, uh, work from home kind of opportunities or online opportunities are seeing big spikes going through. So, you know, there is money to be made out there and and um, not to be opportunistic and, and not to be uh, insensitive, but business is business. And, you know, being able to turn your head towards opportunities that are uh, in the market now is, is a good skill to have. Well, definitely. I mean, there's, there's certainly the health aspect to it, but, you know, a lot of people are also going to be feeling the shockwaves of the economy for a long time. And, yeah. and, you know, actually the best thing that we can do is make sales and spend money. <laughs> yeah, so true. Because make sales, spend money and and realize that um, turn your entrepreneur hat on. I mean, um, I've seen a, a, a big spike in um, small entrepreneurs, like people who've been laid off from work. And a great example, even though it's not in a, a online space, a great example, a, a friend of mine who's um, in, in the trades, he's actually an electrician. He was working for, he's been working for the same company for the last six years and, you know, they, they shut down, he got laid off and, you know, he's sitting at home, but he's got all the tools in his van. Like he's got a hundred grand worth of tools that he's created, you know, collected over the last years to do his job. And he suddenly said, you know what, this is stupid. Why am I sitting at home? Why can't I just turn my own hat back on and, and put a, put my own label on the side of the van and off it goes. And we've seen a massive spike in people kind of recognizing the fact that, Hey, I can't depend on this paycheck side of things. What else can I do to make some money? Yeah. Well, then, you know, and some things like the trade based stuff, all of a sudden people are home and all that deferred maintenance that they've been putting off because they never have to see it because they're working so yeah. much. They're home <laughs> now and they're like, you know, I really want my landscaping done and I really want the yeah, house painted exactly. or the new roof or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Right. But yeah, so I, I know it's still been a short timeline. You know, this this is going to be published in a little bit. Right now, we're about mid-July, um, and, and you said you launched in April. So you maybe not have a great idea of your churn, but how has churn been so far? Are they all are they all annual subscriptions? So you can't really tell yet? Or so where are you at in that process? Yeah, that's a great question. So we've got probably 80% uh, annual subscriptions. So, um, you know, that, that will be a telling you know result in april next year but 
from our monthly perspective, I think I could count on one hand the amount that we've lost um, for one really important reason, um, Travis. And I think this is something that that has been a major shift for us and hopefully can be a bit of a benefit for your for your crew as well. Before we launched Agency Bot in March of this year, I brought on a full-time staff member specifically with the job title of customer success. And this is something that's new for me. So I've always been uh, a solopreneur. And I mean, we've got a massive team of people. We've got uh, a development team that's, I think, 14. Uh, we've got graphics, we've got copywriters, we've got support uh, support staff. But all of those people are... Uh, contractors so they work for themselves and they they you know we contract them in or freelance them in but bringing somebody in as a full-time staff member was a massive decision for us because it's something that i've always steered away from not wanting to make uh to make that permanency bringing this person on board her name's roberta and she's amazing bringing roberta on board my my absolute 100 percent dictation to her was that she is the customer's advocate and I know that a lot of big um, tech companies have customer success as a pivotal role in what they do. Um, but for me, it was something new. And bringing Roberta on, her, as I said, her mandate was she's there to fight for the customers and make sure they have a successful engagement with us. And so over these months, we've been developing these processes right down to the fact of what happens when they join, how do we get them onboarded, what do we do with them to make sure that we've got their success at the front of mind. And that's really helped reduce our churn rate, Travis. Like typically from any launch environment, uh, I expect somewhere between 10 and 12% in terms of refunds. Um, and, you know, at $40,000, it's it's 10,000, uh, 10% is, is easy to to uh, to battle. But when you're normally doing 400,000, giving, giving back 40,000 uh, within a week after launch is, is often quite painful. So bringing in Roberta, what we've seen is our refund rate has dropped below 3%, which for me is a clear indicator that that personal touch is something that we really are reveling in. So um, that targeted uh, goal of making sure that our customers have a successful engagement with us is something that we're really seeing benefit from. Yeah, I'm a big believer in staunch customer support being a, a role for retention. Um, not in the way that like calling your cable provider is, but you know, yeah. in the way of actually caring about customers, giving them thoughtful, detailed responses, being timely, um, really thinking about, you know, what it, sort of anticipating what their next questions will be, that kind of stuff. You know, we also have really, really low refund rates and it's because I, I really obsess about that kind of stuff like probably yeah, too much and but <laughs> no I don't think there can be too much and just just to clarify as well man like for me the role of customer success sits outside of our support desk so um our support team you know we've we've had a, a really good track record of, of great support and personal answers and all that kind of stuff for the last 10 years but Customer success for me sits above support. They are uh, the role of going to bat for the customer against development, you know, dictating the direction of our future plans, that kind of stuff. And to give you an example, like one of Roberta's key performance indicators, her KPIs, is that she needs to do at least four personal coaching calls with clients per week. So she needs to literally 
be on the phone, booking them in. Where are you up to? How's everything going? What can we do for you? So more than just a responsive support desk, it's a proactive um, planning and strategy role as well. And and I, I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think customer success and customer support, in my mind anyway, are different because it's, it's, it is about finding out where they're at now and what they need rather than just reacting, you know, as they're, as they're going through that problem system. Yeah. That, that's a good tidbit. See, if I hadn't prodded you more though, we wouldn't have heard that it was a proactive customer calls. So <laughs> yeah, true. there you go. So with throughout agency bud, and as you work through your numbers, I know you're a marketer. So what kind of upsells have you included or worked in that have been a nice match to help you lift the overall average car value? Yeah. Great question. Um, the answer is none, but um, so that that sounds strange from a from an initial answer. The answer is none because uh, agency bud for me is at the moment our pinnacle product. We're working on a coaching program which will be around the ten thousand a month level, but that's not in place yet. But agency bud is the pinnacle level for us. So as we look at each one of our products now as we're launching, so we've got another launch coming up in about two weeks, which is a a small kind of front end. Uh, system, but the purpose of that system and that launch in a couple of weeks is a lead generator to bring people through the funnel with the intention of moving them into the agency bud space. So at the moment, agency bud is our pinnacle offering, but we're doing uh, lots of smaller things lower down the funnel to make sure um, that we're generating leads that are the right kind of interested um, people so that we can move them into the agency bud space. Okay, that's fair. You know, eventually there might be, I don't know, email marketing tools or other things you might want to fold into the mix, right? But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So for, for us, like, you know, we used to be really push because uh, things would come in through monthly. And so we'd, we'd really push the annual plans and stuff um, mm. as upsells. So it was more of a, not necessarily offering a different product, but a different scenario. But since you're, you're nice, a lot of your people coming in are annual might not make a lot of sense, but there's always add-on things that you can figure out, whether it's additional sub-users or whatever. Um, well, one of the things that can be, and this is something that we've played with, it's not in place at the moment, but you know, just from an ideas perspective to give people some inspiration as they're listening, one of the things that is obviously very big is a, a done-for-you service. So, you know, and, and just an idea to float it is somebody comes in with agency, but their intention is to sell um, you know, X copies of our software so that they can create a return on that investment. You know, one of the upsells can easily be a done for you service, you know, something like 50 leads a month or 100 leads a month into their funnel for an extra 300 a month kind of level. Um, for me, that's that's a no brainer. If somebody can give me 100 leads that are interested in the systems that I've got to sell and, you know, 10% of those turn into sales, it's $3,000 in revenue. I'd pay you 300 bucks a month all day for that. So that's definitely something that we can move into. And yeah, you're right. Increasing the the um, uh, per month spend from a percentage of your customers is uh, is a massive goal of any business, I would expect. Yeah, a lot of times it's it's a lot easier to get your current customers to pay you more than it is to go find new customers. No, exactly. And, and you know, isn't that a mandate from so many people? And do you know what, Travis, and, and sorry to, to use that point as an advertising, but that's exactly why Agency Bud exists because we have the opportunity to go to marketing agencies and business coaches and, um, you know, all of the, the people that have business clients and we can offer them a way to increase their revenue with their existing client base by offering our tools into their into their database. So again, sorry to to use that as an advertising, but 
you're exactly right. Increasing the revenue from your existing client base is a massive success strategy. And especially if you can do it at a recurring monthly level, that's why Agency Bud has a place in the market because you can then drop in our tools to your existing client base and you can on-sell reputation management and lead generation and data and analysis and chat, et cetera. And we pick up all of the fulfillment. So you can you can grow your monthly revenue without having any additional costs or time input from your existing current client base. That's that's why we have a place in the market. Yeah, add-on revenue is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. So even though it was a you know uh, that Bermuda Triangle of coronavirus in April, uh, how did you get your first ten customers? I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'd like to I'd like to hear you say it. Yeah, thanks. Um, so. Um, it may be surprising, but our first 10 customers came from our existing clients. Over the years, we did a small, soft uh, three-day announcement before the, the the majority of the launch. So we brought in, I think, 42 or 43 customers during that three days from our existing client base. So that was... Um, uh, you know, we've had those clients, those records, those those people on our database for years. They've bought other products from us, and they uh, upgraded, I guess, to the agency bud system as we launched. And then the launch itself, uh, which brought in the bulk, was done through uh, JV partnerships and relationships. So people that have promoted our products in the past, we're reaching out to them, saying, "Hey, we've got something new in the market," and we are um, thanking them for sending us sales with a recurring commission. So not only as agency but itself a monthly recurring model that we're offering to the to the marketplace, but our referral partners also are increasing their monthly uh, residual income because we pay a residual commission. So uh, we pay a 50% commission on the first sale and then a 50 uh, sorry and then a 20% on all rebills. So if you're bringing let's say, for example, 10 customers to agency bud and, you know, 14, uh, 1479 price point, you're picking up $7,000, uh, from that initial sale. And then you're picking up, um, trying to do my maths in my head, you're picking up $1,400 a year in residual income as those rebuilds kick in from just referring 10 clients to us. So that was our launch strategy. And that's always been our model is that we pay our referral partners, a residual commission as well. What I, yeah, so what I really wanted to get at there with the initial though is that, you know, you said you sold forty three copies at fourteen ninety seven a year. That's you know a little over sixty four thousand dollars a year in annual recurring revenue from a list. This is again why I always say the only digital asset you own outside of your website is your email list. So yeah, so true, man. Absolutely, a, and do everything you can to build that up. Yeah. So the the second question is, since I I know your history, and you're, you're sort of a man after my own heart with the the WordPress start, since that's how I got started in software, as well before moving to software as a service, uh, and moving to that recurring model, same type of deal. Mm. Um, when you launched your first product, though, what was the difference of that when you didn't have an email list necessarily, uh, yeah. like you did, you know, this year when you launched Agency Bud? I think maybe I was lucky, Travis. Um, back in the the days when we were we were doing all that kind of stuff, there was uh, a very active internet marketing um, uh, arena called the Warrior Forum, and I think I was lucky because even though I wasn't a known JV partner, I wasn't a huge uh, referral um, kind of partner. When we launched that product, it was a hot time and. It converted well, and um, I think by the fact that we launched, we got good conversions, and of course, in a lot of these platforms, there are visible statistics as to what is selling and what's making the money. Because we jumped up to the top of 
of those uh, lists pretty quickly, um, other big referral partners came on board for us. And, um, you know, from there, from that first initial launch, not only have we created a, a, a buyer's list, a list of people who have now been on our database or are actively on our database, but we also created that initial uh, partner relationships. And a lot of those partner relationships from that very first launch are still good friends and good referral partners today. So uh, I think we were lucky. Um, but one of the things, I guess, to to enhance that luck, if if, if we wanted to provide it as a benefit for, for the listeners, is that we launched that product into an active buyer's environment. And if you've got whatever product it is, if you can find the active buyer's environment for your product, then that's the spot that will get you the most amount of traction. So I was lucky in the fact that that existed. Um, but these days with you know Facebook groups and um, LinkedIn communities and that kind of stuff, there are active buyer groups for pretty much everything. Yeah, it's very true. For, for context, when was that initial launch for you? So my eldest daughter just turned 12 a week ago, um, which gives me my reference point because that's when I started looking at ways I could make money online. So 12 years ago, I kicked it off. Uh, I would say that the actual launch itself was probably six months after that. So we're talking 11 and a half years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like an old timer these days, as far as people giving me grief, uh, for how long yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel that long, you know, cause I guess I, one of my products was also in the warrior forum in the early days, but that would have been 2012. Uh, yeah, right. and so you were, you know, what, four years or so before that prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. 20, um, 2008, 2009, somewhere there. Yeah. And so, you know, when I talk to people, they're like, Oh man, you're, you've been around the block. I'm like, it doesn't really feel that way, but it's, no, good, exactly. to, it's good to meet somebody who's even, you know, crushier on the internet marketing than me. So I, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. I still, do you know, I, thanks. I, I feel completely old now. No, just kidding. Um, do you know what? I still think of myself as brand new in this space. Like really there's some, there's some incredible, uh, uh, incredibly talented people that have come before and after me that have made massive waves. And, you know, I still feel like uh, I'm still brand new. Like I'm, I'm learning stuff every day. Yep. It, you know, when you stop learning, you stop living. So yeah, truth. definitely. All right. So kind of moving along here, you know, we, we understand that, again, that Bermuda Triangle of coronavirus hanging over our head. But I, I always want to know what campaigns have not gone well like you expected. And I'm, and I'm removing the freebie. You can't use the launch during coronavirus. So outside of yeah. that, what, what campaign that you think you thought was just going to be awesome has yeah. totally flopped? Well, great question. Um, and in fact, there's been a couple of launches last year, which, which didn't hit the mark. Um, so I think I could give a reason and say that the launch market itself flattened off. Um, but I think it's more than that. And, and again, to, to really tell the story, um, I, everything I've touched for the last 10 years turned to gold. So it was, I was batting a hundred, you know, like having a really good record with creating something and launching it and making a fortune, you know, fortune, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000, whatever it might be. So I was, I had a great track record and I took about three years ago, three, ooh, maybe even more than that, four years ago now, I took a big swing at a product that I was expecting to be uh, the, the biggest thing I'd ever done. And, you know, we're talking um, like at a massive level. I, I'm talking Facebook, Instagram, YouTube kind of level. And um, I took a big swing. And the trouble with that was I'd had great success. We'd made a lot of money. We had, you know, good investments, that kind of stuff. And I had this record of 
of doing well. So I thought I could do something really, 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 really big and and have a really, 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 really big result. Um, and so I put half a million dollars of my own money into a project that never got off the ground. So in terms of launches and projects that flopped, that one specifically, for me, changed a lot of things. And I know that you talk a lot with your listeners about mental health. So the thing for me is I'd had that great track record. I thought that I was bulletproof in the space, put half a million dollars into a project. And then when we, you know, when you get to that point and you, you've put half a million dollars in, we by that time had sold our investments. We had mortgaged up the house. Like we had borrowed to keep funding this um, never ending black hole. Um, and at, at the point where I suddenly said, okay, we're now at the bottom of the well. Like we, we literally have no more that we can pour into this thing. And unfortunately what that means is I have to shut it down. And that's even more painful than putting more money in because now you realize that you're actually not going to get a result from the money that you'd put in. So, um, coming back to your, to your launch and, and the questions about the marketplace, what happened for me mentally was that took a massive toll, um, not only the financial impact, but also the the uh, the impact that that didn't work for me, and it it took a very long recovery period for me to to dig myself out of what had happened, to dig myself financially out of what had happened, uh, and to get back to a level playing field. So um, along that way, the 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 concept or the the re, the reality of burnout um, and uh, I guess not doing well, like that, that ego hit of suddenly realizing that, um, you know, you're, you're mortal, um, really took its massive toll on me. So launches with that energy level really didn't go well because I hadn't put the same amount of me into them. And it took a good 18 months, two years after the collapse of that for me to, to get back to level and back to square and back to where I wanted to be again. Yeah, that that's a biggie, you know. Um, as as someone who's heavily, 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 heavily <laughs> investing in a, a ambitious undertaking with Campaign Refinery, um, yeah. I can certainly understand what it means to sort of be in a silo, especially for a long time, and and putting all your chips in, right? Like you're you're yeah. all in. You're all uh, in, and you know, uh, thankfully we you know we have great customer success, and we're we're working our way towards the end goal we're not we're far away from it yet but you know we're we're heading in the right direction but i can tell you there's there's some days where i'm like man this better work out because <laughs> you know I, i've uh i've taken a lot of years of experience and and you know build up and investments just like you mentioned and mm. you know liquidated them put them in the right direction um you know in big swings right you don't sometimes you don't get big results without big swings but you know they don't always I've work learned- out so. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, like in this expensive way to get an education, but um, I've learned a lot from that. And um, probably the biggest lesson for me is, is going to be known to your listeners, but the biggest lesson for me is what they call the, the minimum viable product. So I had put all of this money into this product without ever asking my customer base if that's what they wanted. And so rather than launching a smaller version of the product, I kept just adding more to it, thinking this is going to be the behemoth. Um, and 
you know, quite frankly, not a single customer had given me any feedback on that, which is a, a massive mistake to make. Like um, releasing what they call a minimum viable product. And the key word there being viable, like don't release junk. That's that's a quick way to go broke um, and a quick way to get a reputation for, for being rubbish. But if you're releasing something that's viable at a minimum level and then building on that based on customer feedback, like at least then you have revenue that you can continue to generate which funds the growth uh, of the the result that the customer wants like again for me that's a massive lesson and something that i'll take with me yeah you know there's a reason that silicon valley can do that because they have opm other people's money <laughs> yeah that's right exactly absolutely it, which you know it shouldn't change it but it does uh for a lot of people on on how they go about product stuff and you know, people like to reference, you know, Steve Jobs saying that the customer doesn't know what they want because we haven't made it for him yet. <laughs> but, you know, uh, even though I bought a lot of stuff that Steve Jobs is involved with, we can all probably agree he was an arrogant jerk. <laughs> yeah, well. And, yeah. And, I mean... and the other reality is we, you and I as are not Steve Jobs. like <laughs> so That he, is the reality. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, everybody who can think of an idea can call themselves a startup founder. Um, and there's a very, very big difference between an idea and a Steve Jobs. Right. Yeah. And, you know, part of his stuff was good timing. A lot of it was hiring really smart people. Um, and then he was a heck of a salesman and showman, yeah. the showmanship yeah. aspect to it. But you know, it took a lot of things to get it right. And even then he got run out of Dodge and basically went broke in the middle of it. So, um, hmm. you know, even if you're quote unquote, the best of the best at what you do, um, it, trouble, it, trouble is only ever one step away. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, you know, what, what of your campaigns was a pleasant surprise? What, what things shocked you and how well they did and, and how yeah, right. repeatable is that in the future? Great question. So the one that shocked me the most was when we launched our first big uh, recurring revenue product, which was RepWarn um, six years ago. And the reason it shocked me is because I mentioned a, a little while ago, I'd created this product because I didn't see the longevity in the make money online niche that I'd kind of grown up in. Um, and so I wanted to create something for business. I wanted something that was um, more um, engaging for a small to medium business owner than a WordPress plugin or, you know, a, 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 a Google hack or whatever. So we created RepWarn. And the surprise for me, Travis, um, was that as I created this product, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, so cool, I've got this great product now, um, but none of my existing customers or existing referral partners are going to be able to send me any sales. And I've gone, well, that was stupid. And so like on the fly overnight, what I did was I created a way to mesh the two together. So now I've got this business related product. What I did was I created a, an opportunity for that make money online database and partner levels that I already had in place to make money from that. So they could buy my software as a license, as a what we call reseller license, and they could on-sell it to the businesses. They could make money from something that I'd created. And so that was my first experience with creating a reseller model, which um, which we've grown up with in, in RepOne and then with uh, our lead generation tool, which is ColdReach, which, uh, with our data product, uh, and now eventually with our our agency bud system. So that was a massive surprise for me. That launch did $730,000 in that week. Um, and all of that, 100% of that was recurring revenue. Um, and 
um, obviously we've had churn over that time, but that was a massive surprise for me. And and again, I think the success of it came because rather than focus on the product I created, I I decided to change the opportunity for the market set that I already had communication with. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal to to tweak your offer to the people mm. that make the most sense. Definitely. Well, awesome. Well, you know, I think that that kind of encapsulates a, a lot of, I think, the key points uh, of the business that I really wanted to talk about. So if cool. it's okay with you, I'd like to transition to a component that's really near and dear to my heart, which yeah. is about mental health uh, within the high-performance entrepreneur space. You know, as someone who personally, you know, battles uh, anxiety and even sometimes panic attacks uh, when I really feel overwhelmed, I, I've come to find out that a lot of other entrepreneurs like me struggle with anxiety, panic attacks, depression, overwhelm, yep. serious amounts of stress. And so, you know, I know that I've picked up a number of, of habits that have improved my health and lowered the negative mm -hmm. outcomes. But I'm curious, you know, what of those types of symptoms or hurdles or struggles have you experienced in your entrepreneurship yep. journey? And what have you done to combat that? Thanks, Travis. I think, first of all, let me say that it's also near and dear to my heart. It's something that um, isn't uh, or hasn't been spoken about enough, in my opinion. Um, and it's it was amazing to me to see good friends, you know, people that I saw as successful entrepreneurs, suddenly posting on Facebook or, or in, in some other forum saying, hey, this is going to be an open and transparent post. And they would talk about their struggles with stress and their struggles with burnout and their struggles with um, depression and, and anxiety. Um, and what was as encouraging as it was to see those posts uh, happening, what was more surprising for me was seeing the hundreds of people who would comment below things like, thank you so much for sharing. I've been going through this and didn't realize that other people were in the same place. Um, and as someone who's gone through some really tough times, like I, I talk about uh, a few years ago, one of the greatest things that happened was as we had run out of money, uh, one of the one of the smart and thankful things that my wife did was cancel my life insurance. And I say that because, you know, there was a policy that I could have cashed in. And um, I was looking at that, honestly, thinking this is a this is a way that I can provide for my family. And that's something that I had put in place. And when she canceled that policy, thankfully, it took that option away, which was, um, you know, the, the concept of suicide and the concept of taking your own life, you know, as a way of um, fixing the financial problems that we found ourselves in um, definitely wasn't the the best path to take because, you know, I think we had a, a $2 million policy or something like that. You know, these days we can look and say, hey, man, we can make that in a year or I can make a product that sells for $5 million in three years. So, you know, the, the struggle is that, um, that that is a real thing. And as, as someone who's gone through serious burnout, um, you know, getting to the point where I couldn't even have the energy to answer an email, like I would check my emails, but I couldn't actually have the energy to reply. Um, and that meant that I was uh, going silent. And for anybody that's listening, like if you have contacts or friends, one of the surest signs that they are mentally in trouble is that they go quiet. Um, and that happens a lot. Like we see we see people who are active, people who are vocal, um, people who are 
connected and networking suddenly stop replying to message requests or stop answering or, you know, they just literally withdraw. Um, and if you know somebody that you're looking and thinking, yeah, wow, I haven't heard from such and such for a long time, do them a huge favor and just literally reach out and say, hey, man, haven't heard from you for a while. Are you okay? Um, and to give an example of that, like I was going through that that dark period um, and someone who I really didn't classify as a good friend um, just send me a message like that out of the blue. Hey, man, haven't heard from you for a while. Just making sure you're okay. And I was in such a dark place, but that message was like turning a light on for me. And it was it was a massive um, uh, impact for me. So again, if you are in that space, um, you know, make sure that instead of withdrawing, I highly recommend reaching out. Like it's really easy to curl up into a ball uh, and that's not the answer. To me, the answer is reaching out. And and at the very, very least, and I've said this a few times in different environments, at the very least, you can reach out into a medical profession, into a private, uh, into a anonymous um, client, doctor, patient privilege uh, scenario. And you can get a doctor's appointment on the premise of having a cold. And you can close the door and say, doc, now that I'm here, I don't have a cold. I'm really struggling with depression. I'm thinking about uh, all kinds of negative thoughts. I'm having trouble and I need help. Because the medical profession um, are confidential and can genuinely help, even if it's just a matter of being able to sit there in a chair and cry for 30 minutes, that's a helpful thing. So there's plenty of avenues for help. Some of them uh, hard to reach out to because you don't want to admit that you are suffering, that you're going through that hard time. But the medical profession and, and uh, the skilled counselors and people that are out there are not only there for you, but are more than willing to, to um, accept that coming from you. So please do make sure that you reach out if you're finding hard times. And again, if, you, if you're realizing that people around you and in your network have gone quiet, just a simple message or a phone call can be a massive turning point for them and for their family. So do take that on board as well. In terms of uh, myself, um, coming through depression, I I actually attribute the the change of mindset to a very simple exercise. At one point, one morning, when I was sitting there feeling like you know everything had gone wrong, I grabbed a, a piece of paper and I literally said, "What if everything went right?" And I started again thinking about what life could be and what rewards were possible uh, and started to get excited about achieving things again. Um, so for me, it was a matter of, uh, and I've still got the, the the images, I grabbed a stack of images from Google Images of things that were awesome to me and in my mind, like a really nice home in this location, a really nice um, picture of flying business class some fantastic, you know, private schools for the kids. And i I gathered a whole bunch of images together and I just stared and looked at them and realized that, you know, some of these things were possible. So for me, getting out of the slump came from um, readdressing and relooking at my goals and my dreams. And I, I do genuinely make a point of doing that at least once a week now. Um, so, you know, grabbing a, a five minute spot, I've got a, uh, a folder on my phone and I just scroll through those images um, and it helps 
get the juices flowing and really, you know, make sure that you've got a, a fun game to play, which is going out there and getting back into it. Um, other ways that uh, have helped me massively are quiet reflection times, you know, meditation. Um, I don't do it as often as I, as I probably should. Um, but every time that I find 20 minutes to, you know, go through some breathing exercises, I feel calm, the anxiety starts to drop out. And it's amazing how many high performers list that as their remedy. So, you know, that should tell you something. Um, and that's certainly been my experience. So focusing on the goals, focusing on the on the uh, relaxation that everything's okay and can be okay. Um, and I'm in control of tomorrow. Uh, my my tips, I guess, Travis. Yeah. Do you, do you do anything as far as like, have you changed your exercise or diet routines or sleep schedules or anything of that nature? Yeah. Great question. Um, so changed anything? No, but I do focus on it. So I, I'm a big proponent of daily exercise. Um, I'm, I'm a runner, so I like, you know, getting that run. And, and if you're feeling too tired, even a 20 minute walk is a, a great way to do it. Um, change things. Maybe, maybe not so much in terms of actually, making it a, a, a physical change, but being very aware of sleep and making sure that, you know, you're switching off nothing that is a trouble, um, won't still be there in seven or eight hours time. So making sure that the, that sleep is, um, is prioritized is a, is a big deal for me as well. So, uh, I've always eaten fairly healthy so that that hasn't been too much of an issue, but, um, yeah, making sure that exercise is daily and sleep is, is prioritized. Definitely things that I would recommend as well. Yeah. With diet, I generally mean about, you know, stimulants and depressants. So, you know, caffeine, alcohol, that kind mm. of stuff um, tends to be a big influencer for a lot of people. Yeah, true. Um, look, I can't say I'm an angel in that space. Um, a couple of coffees in the morning is, is fairly standard and a glass of wine in the evening is also fairly standard. But trying to keep it at that level rather than any further or any deeper uh, is definitely something that I'm aware of. Yeah, no, it, you know, I don't come at that with, with judgments uh, in any, either direction. So, you know, no one has yeah. to be quote unquote an angel, but, <laughs> you know. No, uh, it, so but it's, it's certainly something to be aware of that it's so easy to fall into the bottom of the bottle when things are going bad and, you know, be aware of it. Yeah. And, and you know, that or like how caffeine can disrupt sleep patterns and that kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah. they, they can all play a role in, in various components. You know, they, some people are a lot less uh, influenced by by either of those. So it, it doesn't matter as much. I, I know that like, you know, my mom and myself, uh, thanks mom, <laughs> are, yeah. are fairly uh, sensitive to caffeine. So uh, that wasn't something I really knew about myself too well uh, in the early part of my online career. Um, and I was just like, man, why am I in this like cage of misery? You know, dilly dilly. Right? Right. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, as soon as I cut out caffeine and, um, I noticed the other metrics start to improve as far as sleep quality and, and even cool. how I felt at the end of a workout without having caffeine ups and downs. So you know, I'm, I'm not saying everyone should do it, but you know, if you're finding areas that you're not getting the outcomes, you may be expected after, you know, two to four weeks, maybe try moving another lever with it uh, and, yeah. and see if that gets you where you want to be. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, th well, thank you for opening up. I have th you know, have now that you're have a you know a business that you're excited about and a, and a direction you want to move towards, um, as far as you know, subscription businesses, uh, a bundle of software. Are, are you in a better place now than you were several years ago? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'm excited about um, I'm excited about our growth. I'm excited about where we're at. I'm I'm very very conscious of burnout. So, you know, really trying to um, recognize the fact that 
breaks need to happen and and holidays need to happen and you know time with the kids is more important than than finishing off that email or whatever so i'm i'm extremely conscious of the the fallout of what's happened in the past but man i'm so excited about where we're at uh i'm really thrilled with the level of engagement we've got with our customers now and you know with the the cash flow that's obviously able to fund the ongoing growth and development is is super exciting as well so yeah man i'm i'm rocking that's that's really good to hear it's it's you know more i think more people need to hear a that uh you can come out of it you know because yeah. Uh, a lot of people like you know, even Michael Phelps and, you know, major athletes and people that are more visible who have gone through pretty serious depression, but then come out of it later, they almost all universally say like, I'm so happy I'm here, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm so, I'm so exactly. happy I made it to the other side. And that's yeah. not something that you can necessarily see clearly in the moment, but it's an important thing to recognize. Yeah, that is possible. The other component too, it, like you noticed on the social posts and whatever else is when you're also going through it, you can feel like you might be going kind of crazy. Like you might be the only person that's having these struggles, you know, especially in this social media culture that we're in now where people are projecting the best version of themselves so frequently, Mm -hmm. and you're not comparing yourself to someone else. You're comparing yourself to an idealized version of other people. And so it's, it's even easier to think like, man, I'm the only person that has financial stress. I'm the only person who, Maybe it doesn't feel like I'm as successful in the business as I should be. I'm the only person who has marital problems or, you know, whatever the the thing may be. Yeah. Um, but the reality is almost everyone is going through something so true. at some so point true. in and time. You're exactly right, man. It's so easy to see the Facebook feeds and the Instagram feeds of all these people in holiday locations and beautiful smiles and private jets and whatever. And the reality of what's behind those pictures is very, very different. And you, the struggles that you go through are not are not only yours. Um, they feel like they're the only thing in the in the circle that you have, and that's that is 100% real. You know, you you definitely feel like you're alone in those struggles, but you're not. Um, and that's why it's really really important to make sure you reach out and and speak to someone about it because because of the fact that it is common is awesome in the fact that there are proven ways to help in that environment. So do make sure that, that, that help is reached out. Yeah. I just hope that, you know, here in 2020 and moving forward, that it can be uh, less of a stigma around that kind of stuff and just say, you know, yeah. it's a kind of a struggle. It's like, that's all right. Let's get you through it. You know? Yeah, true. Exactly. Right. Man. <laughs> that, that, that's my biggest hope moving forward. And uh, hopefully we're all a little more empathetic after, uh, you know, the global pandemic and we all have this like shared, <laughs> shared experience of trauma for a lot I of people. That's true. <laughs> I hope that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Never been more, uh, never been more apt than now to say that we, we really are all in this together. Yeah. 100%. That's it. Well, well, I, uh, I really enjoyed our talk today. Um, agency bud sounds really cool. I hope that it continues to grow at, at the pace that you've had so far. Uh, picking up steam as you go through the rest of the year and and moving forward. Uh, It's been a real pleasure having you on. If if somebody wanted to reach out to you, either because they had a question about the business or just because, you know, you said something that sparked their interest and, you know, they want to check in, what's the best way for someone to reach you? 
Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So agencybud.com um, has got all of the information about agencybud and how you can get involved and how you can be a partner with us as well and referring others and generating that recurring income. So if that's of interest to you, uh, go down that path. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me on a personal level, um, you can hit up waltbayless.com. All about my social links are there um, or even on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm just facebook.com slash waltbayless. Uh, W-A-L-T-B-A-Y-L-I-S-S, Walt Bayless, and uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook or any of the other social platforms um, and uh, reach out to me and say hi. Sounds great, Walt. Well, thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ben.